Well, hello everybody. This is Hal. And this is Melanie. And we want to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. And we're going to talk about something that is ever so practical and something that comes into play all the time. And it is a source of great argument and consternation and controversy no matter where it comes up. True. And that's the M word, which is modesty. Ah! And I, I put that on the schedule because I thought, you know, this is something we ought to talk about. And, and you I didn't read, like it. I didn't like it. I read it and my heart sank. Let me tell you why. Why is that? Okay. So when I was a preteen, I went to a Christian school. Okay. And it was a Christian school in a really conservative denomination. Mm-hmm. And conservative is generally good when we're talking about theology. We like but conservative, yeah. They had a modesty code. Okay. And what and the way they define modesty is if a girl's skirt showed mm-hmm. her knee at all. Yes. They would, I kid you not, tape a trash bag to the bottom of her skirt. Really? Really. And if nobody's ever done that to oh, me. Look, I was in terror. I was in terror because I grew I was growing really fast during that stage. You you have always been a tall girl. Well, but I went from an, you know, average girl of the so- of the yeah. time during the time I was there to being the size of a grown woman, right? Just like our our daughters have. And hell, I was terrified that I would accidentally put on a skirt that was an inch too short and have to walk around with a garbage bag taped to my skirt. Folks, mm-hmm. that is crazy. It's wrong. Eleven year olds don't pick out their own clothes. Well, and I think it, I think it abuses the intent of the scriptures that talk about it, and we're going to talk yeah. about why. Um, but you, you didn't, you really didn't want to talk about this just because that of that word, right? Just the yeah, association. Yeah, just because the association for me was with people who legalistically chose a standard and then humiliated people who didn't meet the standard. Mm. Okay. And so that just gave me the creeps. And I know intellectually that modesty is important for a Christian, that you've got to, you know, we want the way that we dress to reflect that we're God's people. We want it to re- right. to be good. We want we don't want to tempt people to sin. But in my mind, it was connected with all this legalistic stuff. So, you know, we want to make your, make it easier for people to apply biblical standards. But sometimes you have to say, Let's go back and look at the biblical standard. Let's go back and see what the Word of God actually says and not just what we are interpreting it to saying. Okay, so I think that's a great segue into let's look at the passages, okay? The ones that are typically quoted, and this is funny because we actually ran into this just in the providential ordering of things in our family devotions recently. And it was a good conversation because we got two teenage boys. We've got two young girls here. This is a real topic. So, And I love the way you handled it. You handled it really well. Well, th- oh, okay, well, thank you. I'm trying to handle it biblically. And that's sometimes that means you have to get past your assumptions and get past, well, this teacher said or that teacher said and say, well, what did the original teacher say? What did What does God tell us? And then build from there. So, okay, so the passage we were looking at, we've been reading through the first letter to Timothy. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, um, Paul instructs young Timothy in, in ordering of this new church that he's planning. Uh, in verse, let's see, it's 2 verse 9. Well, let me get back up to verse uh, 8, okay? I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, 
but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. Now, some people how interpret that that women should not wear nice clothes. They shouldn't try to be attractive. They shouldn't wear jewelry or braided fix their hair. hair. Braided hair, bad. bad. Yeah, I mean that's what yeah. they did. And you know what? On the surface, it sounds like that. But I thought it was really interesting what you brought in from First Peter mm-hmm. that, t- like, totally well, changed that. Well, okay, so let's look at the other passage. There's another passage that gets quoted, and we're going to open up all this, okay? So, so bear with us. Don't say, "Oh, they're talking about that again." Yeah. Okay. Let's look. Hang at, on. Okay. Yeah, hang on. It gets better. Okay. So, First Peter chapter three. This is one of those passages that's talking about relations of wives and husbands and the rest of that. Um, in the words to the wives, Peter says, verse in uh, chapter 3, verse 3, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, okay, you're getting the picture here. You know, this is, you're talking about chaste conduct of wives and winning your husbands without a word and, and, you know, not doing merely outward adornment, which is a good thing there. Side note, I looked yeah. that up because I'm, I'm always interested. Does the Greek have a nuance that we miss in the translation? Okay. That word adornment in the Greek is, is cosmeo, like cosmetic. Interesting. Okay. So that's okay. just interesting. But the, um, but, you know, Peter's saying here, well, don't let it be merely outward adornment. And then this is this is what really caught me. Okay. Going into verse 5, he says, For in this manner in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Okay, now, now hang on a second. Yes. Okay, because Sarah had something she was really known for. This is this is what, you know, I read that and I thought, wait a minute, I seem to remember something. Let me go look this up and refresh my memory. If you recall, when Abraham and Sarah, at that time they were still Abram and Sarai, yeah. but when Abraham and Sarah left Ur of the Chaldees and they started out toward the promised land like God had commanded them, they went through, for a time, they spent some time in Egypt. Yes. And when they got to Egypt, the Egyptians noticed Sarah. They noticed her beauty. They were staring at her. They were, you know, saying in their own language, wow, check out that woman over there. And, and Abraham feared for his scared. life. He, he was scared. He was scared they were going to kill him to he get her. Fe- he feared for his yeah. life. And then he went into that shameful, deceptive thing where he's, you know, made a big deal about her being a very close relative. But... The interesting thing about it is, it says just a few verses back, you find out what their ages were. Sarah was 65 years old. What? Okay. Okay, so she's 65 and she's so beautiful that he is seriously afraid they're going to knock him off to get this beautiful girl. He's afraid people are going to kill him because his wife is such a knockout. And I told our kids, I said, you know what? Think about this for a minute because I am sure that Sarah was a woman who knew how to take care of herself, who yeah. knew how to dress well, who knew how to groom herself well. This woman was a supermodel. She was 65 years old. That is awesome. And, that and, is so and, encouraging. And what does Peter say? Peter says, ladies, be like Sarah. She was yes. a godly woman. Okay, yeah. you know what? Because, see, this is the thing. We have this little thing that we say sometimes kind of laughing at people's attitudes about this, that that. Dowdiness is next to godliness. Well, you would think. 
Yeah. I mean, I've had friends like that. Honest to goodness. Dumpy is holy. I, I had someone once tell me that her father would not allow her to wear a shirtwaist dress because having a belt would draw attention to her waist. And that and that was wrong. Okay. So and I'm like, whoa, hang on just a second. We're not talking about like over accentuating anything. It's just like the existence the of the existence of the, the belt was too much waist? for this guy. Okay. Yeah. So what is modesty all about then? Is modesty about you can't be attractive? Mm. You know, I hear you know Well obviously I have not sweet from, I have sweet a, friends who are plain folk, who are plain people. Right. You know, and they they say that that they are dressing the way that they dress for the purpose of modesty because they don't want to draw attention to their physical body but the way they're dressing draws attention to them now what is the first thing you think of when you think of the amish when you think of you know the old order mennonites the people who dress in those very well you know what let's look at it historically in the early 1700s that would have been very plain, commonplace dress. Yeah. And so, okay, I can see that. But, you know, it's kind of like, do you know why pastors, like even like Presbyterian pastors, I grew up Presbyterian, okay, but you know why they wear black robes? Why? I don't it think I've ever heard look, that. Was it to look dignified and exalted and something? That's the way we think of it. That's the way we think of it. But actually, the black robes were meant to minimize the effect of the minister's dress. Oh, wow. To, to make him as plain and as unassuming as possible. Because and, that, when that when they started that tradition, that was unassuming dress. It was the, a plain black robe mm-hmm. instead of a brocaded and fancy robe and, that other people were wearing. And a man with the education of a typical pastor at that time would have been typically dressed like a gentleman. And yeah. when he stepped into the pulpit, that's what they're saying. You know, we're going to put on this plain black robe to take the attention off wow. me so that we can focus on the Word of God. Well, so we see, kind of need to rethink our traditions and say, is it accomplishing what we want it to accomplish? You, you have to go back and say, what was the purpose of that tradition to begin with? Like, I know we've we've had discussion with some of some of our friends and some of our kids and some teachers about, you know, some of them have put like an anathema on wearing blue jeans because it's a sign of rebellion. Well, maybe it was maybe in, in 1950. 1950. It's not now. Yeah, in 1950, that's workman's clothes, and wearing workman's clothes around polite people was said was showing disrespect. Maybe, but now, no, that that whatever meaning was there in 1950 has totally changed. It's totally gone, and so why are we still hung up on something that was a scruple for our grandparents? One thing that I've been thinking a lot about modesty is modesty mm-hmm. something that just belongs to women. Well, that's the way we treat it. That's the way but we treat it. It's really about making sure that our clothes, our bodies are not the primary way that people see us. Well, now here is an interesting angle. There's a really good book, if anybody's interested, called Modest, semicolon, subtitle, uh, Men and Women Clothed in the Gospel which sounds kind of radical, actually, you know, but it's by uh, Tim Challies, and I believe R.W. Scott was the, um, was the other author on that. But the, the, the interesting thing they brought out about it was, that, you know, that your clothing, your style that you present yourself should reflect your love for your brethren. And in the sense of, I don't want to dress in a way that is a distraction or a temptation or in any way detracts from my 
from my, my fellow persons. Okay, hang on though. Yes. So I once had a friend tell me mm-hmm. that if it's not suitable for church, it's not suitable for anywhere. That is an oversimplification. Yeah, and I don't think it's true. No, I don't think because it's true either. I think I think that to us to an extent modesty does depend on what you're doing in the situation you're in. Now, I will totally agree. Clearly there's a matter of sin. We don't expose our private parts to the world. But you right. know even then that doesn't apply in the marital relationship. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's run this all all the way out to the to the uh Well, to the I mean, but but yeah. It's an extreme example, but it's true. Well, okay. you know, there is a cultural element to this that we need to take into account and be sensitive to because I know, for example, we've lived in different parts of the country and in Florida, you know, in the in the hotter climates for people to wear clothing that was loosely fitting or had short sleeves or whatever was just a matter of avoiding heat stroke. It wasn't necessarily we're trying to show anything off. Well, and typically people came to church in shorts. You know, we've lived in in the tropics. Typically Mm -hmm. people came to church in shorts. People would have a coronary in the area I grew up in if somebody came to church in shorts. Well, I tell you, I had had an engineering project one time in Panama. And we were down in Panama in August, as I recall. And while we were there, we that were working on the project, ate in the cafeteria with the with the employees at the plant. Well, the women there were dressed in what you would think of as tropical women's clothing, which, you know, if you saw it on the streets in America, you would say, wow, that kind of draws attention in a lot of ways. But everybody was dressed that way, and everybody was dying of the heat. I mean, we're out there in the jungle, and you realize that, well, it was certainly showy, flashy kind of stuff if you saw it walking down the street in Milwaukee, but here in Panama, it was just, it's, you know, it's like in a tropical, in a tropical town where they paint the houses bright pink. That doesn't look so good in suburban Peoria, but in yeah. Panama City, Panama, that, okay, fine. It fits. It's a cultural thing. Well, you know, I have a friend once who told me that they literally wore what they would wear to church everywhere, that her daughters went swimming in a dress and long leggings and stuff, and yeah. yeah, that's not even safe. But anyway, there are ways to dress modestly, mm-hmm. you know, not showing off private parts of your body, mm-hmm. and still fit into the culture that you're in. Because I think that part of modesty is being dressed appropriately. I think that appropriateness is something that we can take across the board. Yeah. Because, you know, we we throw that at women a lot. You know, we put that on women and we put that burden on them. And you look at other religions, look at uh, like Saudi Arabia. I've been to Saudi Arabia and you see women dressed in shapeless things that look like a tent. You can only see their eyes and yet they still have rape and adultery. They still have immorality. They still yeah. have temptation of both sorts. And, you know, the fact of the matter is the problem yeah. of the heart is the heart of the problem. It always. Is. And I think that really the appropriateness is something that needs to be taken into account. And like Charlie's and Scott say this, it's not about necklines and hemlines. No. It's about what's, your, what's the state of your heart. Are you trying to distract everybody and say, hey, look at me. I'm the most attractive girl in the church. Or I'm the most wealthy, powerful, ostentatious man that walks into the church either. Yeah. You know, we can be immodest in our behavior. We can be immodest in our dress. And it may just be a matter of wearing too many rings on our fingers or wearing 
you know, a or talking mo- talking about our wealth, mm-hmm. you know, to in a way that may that will make somebody feel bad and try to to one up them, you know. Well, and you know, and something about that because I think I realized some time ago, there's a false modesty that turns away everything when somebody says, "Oh, wow, you you did really well to win that scholarship." You know, and you, you can dissemble and say, oh, no, I didn't. It was purely a mistake. Somebody will just probably catch up with me originally. I'm just really not that smart. No, you really did achieve something. And it's dishonoring to God if you don't accept that God has blessed you in a particular area. But And to just be honest, say thank you. Yes, I worked really hard for it. I'm very thankful that God gave it to me. That's a modest answer that acknowledges this is a good thing. Rather than trying to say, no, 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 let's throw some mud on it. Well, you know, it's a little bit awkward when people come up, you know, <laughs> like when we're speaking and they gush about something and it makes me feel embarrassed and I want to do that. But I've learned to say, okay, what what's a proper response is to reflect the glory to God. Yeah. To say, you know what? God is so good. I'm so glad he blessed you with this. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I don't think we ever go wrong when, we're, when we instead reflect the glory to God. Yeah. You know, to give him the glory. Right. And, you know, so this whole thing about modesty is more than just where we, you know, we we ought not to dress in a way that is intentionally tempting to people. And we need to be cautious that our attitude, that our words. I do not want to see your weirdly shaped underwear through your pants. No. In fact, I want you to wear pants. Sometimes, Hal and I are sitting in airports, sometimes sometimes we say, no pants, go home. You know? Unfortunately, I think most of the days that I go to Walmart, I come away thinking, I'm so glad that my wife never did something. Yeah. Because, yeah, you do see the full range of stuff. But, you know, there now there is something. We do need to train our kids. We do yeah. need to teach them what's appropriate and understand that in their innocence, you know, our kids don't understand, look, you need to have on pants. Your underwear is not acceptable when there's company in the house. Or, or dear dear daughter, you're wearing a skirt. Don't do handstands right yes, now. Yes, please go you know, put on some these shorts. Are, yeah. These are things you have to train your kids without freaking out, yeah. without judging and condemning them. Just to say, look, this is how you behave as a polite, considerate Christian person. But I think really that you get back to the heart. And that was the point I wanted to bring up with with Charlie's and, and, and Scott, you know? Mean, that, that's something I want to be careful to say when we're teaching our kids. I think it's really, really important how you teach these things to your children because, you know, we've talked to a lot of adult kids that have struggled with the gospel and struggled with who God is because their parents had a huge set of checklists mm-hmm. that they had to meet to be considered Christians. And... You know, really, we can't ever be pleasing to God in and of ourselves. You know, we're sinners. Mm-hmm. The only way that we're made pleasing to God is by him imputing Christ's righteousness to us, that Christ died for our sin, and we've repented of our sin and trust him as our Savior. Gee, isn't there a verse that talks about being clothed in, clothed the, righteousness in the righteousness of Christ? Of Christ. Yes. And, okay. and so I think when we teach things to our kids, we need to say, we need to teach it not as, you know, Christians dress this way because sometimes Christians don't and that doesn't make them not Christians. Mm -hmm. But to say, you know, it's not a good idea to wear that because we don't want to, you don't want to be a temptation to to people around you. Or maybe, you know, that's not really modest. I can see parts of your body that are supposed to be for your husband. And again, that, you know, that question of modesty is not necessarily, are you dressing in a lewd manner, but maybe you're just dressing in a distracting manner. And that could be, 
showing up for a hot dog roast wearing a three-piece suit, yeah. you know, or, or, you know, showing up for an informal worship service dressed as if it were, a, a, you know, a, a white tie wedding. And, and that's, you know, let's, let's find out what's the appropriate level of dress for whatever event we're going to so that people will not be goggling at our, you know, either our clothing that shows too much or our clothing that's outlandishly inappropriate in style or whatever, but rather would focus on our character, would focus on the Word of God, would focus on the things that we have to communicate and how can we minister to their good rather than say, hey, look at this, isn't this a cool way to dress? And I think it's important to caution our children against judging other Christians in this area. That is so important. This is an area that has, there's a lot of disagreement. There's a lot of of confusion on it. And I think that we need to be careful to, to tell our children to give each other grace, Mm -hmm. you know, that people can do, this is an area we can disagree on. You know, there, there are biblical injunctions. Right. Yeah. We're not supposed to be showing the private areas of our body to the world. Right. Right. Yeah, that's not debatable, but there's a lot of debate in the other areas. And, okay, let me say one last thing, too, on the training part of it is I think we need to, we need to train our young people um, to take some responsibility for their own reactions to things. Because oh, yeah. I think about, you know, was it, there, there was a song, and I can't remember which of the, which of the um, composers wrote it, but there was a song back in the 20s and 30s that said it used to be a glimpse of stocking was looked on as something shocking. Yeah, you know, and now goodness knows anything goes well. You, yeah, we're there, and and to be honest, most of us are not going to be really shocked if we see a young woman's ankles. But once upon a time, his ankles were wow, that was risque. Yeah. I mean, that was you could read some of the old novels from the early eighteen hundreds, and they said you could actually see that young woman's ankle. <gasps> you know what? We need to train our young people not to overreact to things, even if we are taking a more conservative bent to say, you know what, this is not something that offends the sensibilities of the whole culture. And I can't really look at scripture and say, you know what, because that lady's elbows were visible, she must be in sin. No, no, let's let's be let's try to go back to a biblical norm. And if we want to be more conservative than the biblical norm, Okay, but recognize that it's our choice and the exercise of our liberty and not something to bind another person's conscience. And especially this area where we talk about, you know, the Bible says, the Old Testament says, don't, that a woman should not wear that which pertains to a man. And, you know, there's so much disagreement in the church about what that means. You mm-hmm. know, I have friends that won't wear pants at all. Yeah. And I remember one of, a, one of their daughters, one of the daughters one time said to me, I was wearing a pair of red pants with Chinese figures all over it. It's really cool pants. (laughs) Anyway, she said, she said, Oh, those are really beautiful. I wonder, I wonder if I I could get some of those to wear around the house. Cause you know, I'm not supposed to wear that, which pertains to a man. I said, honey, can you imagine my husband wearing these? She said, no. I said, I don't think this is what pertains to a man, you know, and this was written at the time that men and women were both wearing robes and tunics. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the point is not the clothing, but the point is the, what are you trying to communicate? Are you trying to blur the fact that you are male or female? And I think that that's something that has to be taken into account these days in particular. 
because there's so much of the culture and that you know wants to blur, blur that distinction. And you can tell when someone's trying to look like a member of the op- of of the opposite sex. Yeah. And I don't think that's right for a Christian. No. I no, think it's we not. I think we should be trying to look like the way God made us. I think we and should be satisfied and content the way God made us. Embrace it. Yeah. And that's and that's something and again and again you come back to what are you teaching your children? You know, and I see things, you know, people asking about, well, how should I teach my son? How should I teach my daughter? I said, well, you know what? God made them your son or your daughter and teach them to rejoice in that. Teach them to understand that and to say, you know what? You may be an athletic girl. You may be a sensitive guy, but you're still a guy. You're still a girl. And it's and it's a blessing. It is. And it's okay to, to be a an athletic girl or a sensitive guy. Yeah. God made a wide range of guys and girls, but he made them guys and girls. And and never that changes. And guys and girls that are supposed to be guarding their eyes and heart. Yes. And not tempting others to sin. And that's really what it comes down to. Yes. You know, the matter of the heart. Are we avoiding tempting others and mm-hmm. are we avoiding temptation ourselves? Yeah. Okay, and our so- guys have a responsibility to do that. We don't want them to have the sin of Adam that says, oh, it was the woman's fault. No, it's not. It's our fault when we sin. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's a, you know, I think that's a good summary. And I think, you know, going back to those passages that people point to and just recognize, I'm sure that Sarah combed her hair. I'm sure that Sarah did what it took to look nice in the morning. And, and Peter says, and that was a godly, holy woman. And you ought yes. to be more like her sisters. And so, you know what? Let's give each other the grace. Let's give each other, let's, let's hold each other to a biblical accountability and don't add all these burdens on top of people that God didn't do. Because you know what? We don't do a real great job handling the burdens that God did give us. Boy, Why are we borrowing truth. more to put on the load? That's the truth. Yeah. So anyway, well, look, yeah, now see, that wasn't so bad, was it? No. Okay. I made it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that wasn't bad. So we want to say thank you for listening through it. Yes. And um, we do hope you'll join us again soon as we're going to be talking about all kinds of practical things to take the biblical principles and put them into reality in your home and in your family and in your own life. And also, if this Facebook page, this podcast, if this stuff has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry? We love our donors. We have we have a small but loyal cadre of people who are regular supporters. They come out to Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Hal and Melanie. And you can find out some inside stories about what's going on with the ministry here and how you can help us out. And we would love to connect up with you on that side. So Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Hal and Melanie. Please join us every week as we attempt to take biblical truth into the 21st century family. This is Making Biblical Family Life Practical. I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Hal and Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.